Welcome, and let's first talk compliance. I'm Catherine Short, Partnership Marketing Manager at First Healthcare Compliance. Thanks for tuning in. You can follow First Healthcare Compliance on Twitter at FirstHCC or on Facebook and Instagram at First Healthcare Compliance or hashtag FirstTalkCompliance. On today's episode, we are speaking with Reed Kaiser, MS founder and chief consultant of Kaiser Healthcare Solutions LLC, where he applies his innovation, leadership, and industry experience to build collaborative solutions for clients associated with quality measurement, analytics, and reporting tools and business systems. Today, we will be discussing understanding the healthcare quality measurement data landscape, data, the new oil. Through our discussion, we will have a deeper understanding of the general healthcare quality and performance measurement landscape, define the various measurement types and categories, explore the data source types for quality measurement reporting, including the strengths and weaknesses of each, as well as explore what the future holds based on current trends and insights. So Reed, thank you so much for joining us today. Let's get started. Great, and thanks for having me. Okay, thank you. So let's start with why quality and quality measurement is so important. Yeah, so just to set the stage and why why does quality matter? Back in the early 2000s, uh, the Institute of Medicine, now the National Academy of Medicine, um, came out with a report. And basically from that, there were six aims that they identified in addressing um, gaps in quality for, for healthcare. And really, those core aims or values were focused on having safe, effective, efficient, timely, patient-centered, and equitable care. And that's really the, the key aims and why it's important to address quality. Now, quality didn't start in the 2000s. It's been around for, for a very, very long time. But really, in putting in the context of the modern era, that's really where we're seeing a lot of the, the shifts from a fee-for-service um, payment uh, model or system to moving towards more of that that rewards and pays for performance and, and value and, and quality and in the, the side of driving accountability and improving and getting the best uh, return on resources and quality of care so that we can deal with addressing some of those issues around increasing cost and, and limited resources that, that are there. Um, I'd also like to in this other, add another piece or component to it, and that really comes into uh, what the Institute for Healthcare Improvement called the triple, the triple aim, or, which really was focused on improving our healthcare system around improving the patient experience, um, improving population health, so thinking about it from improving patient safety and, and patient outcomes and recognizing that we are working in a society with, with limited resources and, and looking at it from the population perspective. But then also um, the third third of the aims was to reduce healthcare costs. And to say that specifically, you know, thinking about it from reducing more of the unnecessary redundant services and, and procedures that are out there, but then also thinking about what are things that can be done to reduce length of length of stays or readmissions or other things like that, that that may not be bringing any value to the healthcare system. And really why quality and quality measurement is important is that to have a value-based system, we do have to have the metrics that are determining if good quality 
care is being delivered, that is, are the appropriate outcomes and the improvement in well-being happening for patients? And what is it on the other side of the equation or the denominator, the resources that are being expended to achieve those level of outcomes? And that's really why today quality measurement has really gained a lot of attention and, and importance and focus. Now, can you tell me, you've been in this three decades. I'm sure you've seen a lot of changes, right? Can you tell me about how it has changed? Yeah, so going back to, I like to laugh and joke, back at the, the, the turn of the century or back in the, the, the <laughs> 1990s when I first started uh, in my so long quality, ago. Yes. <laughs> yes, my kids are like, oh, the night, what, or, yeah, they don't even know what the 90s were. But, um, but anyway, um, Back from the 90s, so a lot of a, a lot of quality came driven out of when we were seeing a lot of the the push for reform and in, in healthcare delivery, especially around when managed care was starting to gain a lot of a, a lot of attention for on, on somewhat of on on maybe on the negative side and looking at it from more of restricting services or restricting care to control control costs. Um, so. When I when I started off in this back back in I guess 1999 is when I officially entered into the the workforce and quality at, at NCQA, um, NCQA and, and HEDIS were established to show or to demonstrate quality and performance of managed care organizations HMOs and as those have evolved over the year to show that they they do provide the appropriate care and are doing the right things whether that's managing diabetes or other chronic conditions like asthma or ensuring that the members of health plans are getting appropriate screening testing for for cancer or other things like immunization so preventive care and other pieces where the public may have been concerned that oh I'm not getting preventive care or I'm not having my chronic disease managed because of the utilization management people trying to control the cost so that's originally for me where quality started and and developed from from that um, and then as we move through into the new century, I'll call it, um, into the 2000s. Um, and when I started, I, I'd say around, you know, in the late 90s, it was, it really, quality was the right thing to do. It wasn't necessarily the, the thing that was done for financial benefit by payers or providers. I mean, we'll always say that, I mean, the, the Hippocratic Oath is to do no harm to patients. So, I mean, it's always been embedded within medicine to do that. Um, but it wasn't, it was just an additional piece that was having to be added on. And then obviously under the pressures of um, providers having to, or physicians having to see as many patients as possible in a day to do it. So quality also started to become the right thing to do, or at the time was the right thing to do. And really was more of those at the, the front of the curve that were doing a lot of work with, and you had the development, the Institute for Healthcare Improvement, and many other organizations um, in the space. And I would say it was really, I think one of the great things was when, um, I guess it was HICF at the time, or CMS, started to require quality measure reporting. Uh, eventually, they started to build their star ratings program that, they, that came along there in the, the mid to the late 2000s. And, and for me and working through this as well, it really became um, where CFOs, CEOs of organizations started saying, 
recognizing that there's billions of dollars on the table, depending on how large your organization is, but based on quality performance. Whereas previously, a lot of the business focus was more so on cost or premiums or the cost of care in how um, organizations were rewarded or were successful with the bringing of Medicare Advantage and their STAR programs and rewarding for quality really started to get a lot of attention uh, in the quality improvement world. Now, it's not to say there wasn't already pay for performance type of arrangements that were going on on a smaller scale, uh, whether it's in different states or just with different arrangements with um, payers and providers, but it really was Medicare Advantage that led the way with, with star ratings that, that really pushed things uh, forward. Um, and then after you know 2010, that just continued to grow. Um, we've seen technology changing a lot. In the original or early days, things were heavily rely, relied upon literally physical paper-based medical record review. So think about sending out nurses to remote places across the country to go retrieve one medical record for one patient and finding if they had the service or done or was their blood pressure controlled in doing that. Uh, and then at best case scenario was using claims databases, which are very limited. It's basically on a, on a, on a claims um, form, you, you know, you, you're going to know the diagnosis, you're going to know the procedures and services that were provided. Um, and what was billed, but you don't necessarily know if there what the if there was a lab test or you would know the lab test was ordered or billed for, but you may not know what that actual result was, and you'd have no idea if their blood pressure was controlled based off of administrative data. So in the early days, there was that, and things have obviously evolved with technology, not only in healthcare but across the world. We now are starting to move into a more digitized world that. The proliferation of data over the last 10 years has been um, tremendous and has grown exponentially. I know big data is kind of one of those things that were out there, whereas before we were working more with individual um, data sets or, or, or records that were there. And now there's data, what they call data lakes, and just like billions, terabytes, petabytes, whatever bytes you can name of data that are now out there with the ability to process. Now, it's not to say we can't process all of that efficiently and effectively now, but we are starting to get to that point where the ability to get large amount of data um, for individual patients or for health systems or for the larger population are available. And we are seeing the, the efficiencies that are coming along with that and being gained from the development of technology and just the availability of data that's out there from even smart devices and other wearable devices and things that we may have as consumers. Now, on the other side of that, though, is we recognize that, wow, that's very valuable. Data is very valuable, and that's where I've started to hear the term more. It's resonated more that data is the new oil. And when we're talking about value-based care and value-based payment models, the, those with the data that show that they're delivering the best outcomes at the lowest cost or the most effective uses of resources are going to be the ones that are rewarded and be paid. But at the same time, too, they're going to they may need to buy that information or buy that technical expertise to achieve those higher results that separate them from their competitors that they're 
fighting for against the, the dollars for, for reimbursement. So it really has been, in just the last three decades, some pretty significant changes in how we look back and you think about literally looking at a medical record and abstracting information to now where you can literally track information on a handheld device at any time and connect with almost any person. Well, speaking of so much information, I know that there are thousands of measures out there. Can you speak about the different category types or what is the best type of measure? Yeah, so definitely talking about the different different sources or the different types that are available. And yes, there literally are thousands. Um, I hear the number of five, I think 5,000 was the number I heard the other day. Could be more, probably is, just depending on who, who's creating it and how it's different from another one. Um, so I can I can talk about that now. It really, the question on best type of measure that's 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 hard to say. It really is going to depend. I mean, I guess in theory, the the best measure type would be something that is I, I would say has the consumer, the patient engaged and understands the information that's being provided and what the appropriate outcome or, or treatment course is for them. So we're not quite there yet, but I don't know if Apple or Amazon or someone else will come up and solve that that problem that, that really truly integrates the patient with the provider and with the, I'll say, coordinator of the, care, coordinator of the services. In other words, saying that would be the health plan. Um, but that would be the ideal place to get is to have that. And I don't know what you'd call that measure type that's that's out there, but um, the typical measures and just building off of, of off of Donna Bedian is you have the the structural, the process, and the outcome measures. So structural, you think about those currently today is primarily accreditation or certification standards. For example, things like uh, are your providers credentialed? What are your policies and procedures for handling grievances? Um, what are the what are the staffing levels? Are the devices that are being used, have those been um, QA'd or, or are they functioning properly, that type of thing? And then there's the, the process measures, which are looking at, um, and based on evidence-based guidelines or medicine is, are the appropriate um, steps in care being given? Um, if you come into, or I should say the appropriate and also the avoidance of inappropriate uh, services being given. So in a process measure, uh, you may come in and have a, a situation where, let's just say, um, you're, you're diabetic. And the thing that the provider would want to do, if they haven't or within the course of the treatment, is, is to measure your, your, your glucose levels. So measure your A1C levels. Have an eye exam. Understand if there's glaucoma or other things that are happening there. Check to see if there's anything with nephropathy. Basically things that are going through and checking the boxes of were these different services done. They don't necessarily indicate that a positive outcome was achieved, but the assumption is, is that the appropriate care steps were taken that should lead to appropriate care that should lead to better outcomes. And then that's where the third Donabedian type comes in of of outcomes. And there can be a lot of different flavors of outcome measures. There can be the intermediate outcome measures. There can be the, the full clinical outcome measure. And then there can also be patient reported outcome measures or PROMs that, for example, are used a lot in the oncology space. An example of an intermediate outcome measure would be going back to that diabetic example is measuring glucose or cholesterol. Was that 
was that level controlled within the acceptable limit? So was an A1C less than nine? And then after intermediate outcomes, there would be the true clinical outcomes. So recognizing that, yes, it should lead to a, a positive um, result or a positive outcome for a diet, diabetic to be have their A1C level controlled at nine. It doesn't necessarily mean that nine is working for that particular patient. So in this example of a true clinical outcomes measure, it's, it's also going a step further in understanding not only was that patient managed to the appropriate level, but that level actually means that their condition is being managed to the best and their well-being is or maintaining that status or, or getting better. And then the third type of the patient reported outcome measure would take into account that patient's actual reporting on how do they feel? What's their functional status? Do they feel that their quality of life or their well-being has improved? So that's getting into that actual taking into account, did the patient feel like they're getting the outcomes that they needed in addition to those clinical outcomes that are needed? And then there's some other types. Um, there's a lot of survey measures, um, different from the patient reported outcome measures, but ones that are looking at satisfaction and experience. So one, I think we all want to have um, a good experience. We want to get into our doctor's office or our appointment on time and and be able to get in to do that. We want to get the appropriate instructions and directions on our course of treatment and, and feel that we're getting all the information that we need to be engaged and manage our, our, our outcomes as patients as well. So there's, there's the satisfaction and experience um, measure types like CAPS or HCAPS that are out there as well. And there's also other pieces on the financial side or just looking at resource and utilization as well. So once again, not only are there thousands of measures that are out there, there's a lot of different types and you know, new ones are, are, are coming or new ways of looking at it are coming each day. So it just continues to add to the level of the complexity as we start thinking about that, that data conversation. So you say data is the new oil. I know we touched on this a little bit. Can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, so I mean, just building on the, the point that and just covering that we have all these different measures and there's a lot of different data sources that are out there that, that go into reporting these measures and tying that back to the importance of the data is needed to, to prove to prove value um, and to tie that together and to show that a provider or a health plan or healthcare organization is able to prove their their differentiation on values that that data has become exponentially more important and as we talked about earlier in the shift that we've seen over the last three decades around quality measurement it's very apparent that there is a lot going on around building different systems and platforms to one to collect the data but then to also process it so there's a lot of investment that's going on with this and at the same time too there can be the expense of obtaining the information and then also processing that information to turn that into insight so it really truly is what i would say is a somewhat of a, a gold rush or a oil boom to turn that that data into insight as we push for proving value Oh, interesting. Okay, so it's not just the value of the information, but it's also the the work of mining it, of actually getting the information and processing it. So that's a really interesting analogy. Yeah, and if you think about it, you know, one, if you're 
looking for oil, you you need to understand what the the landscape looks like to right. determine where where it is I need to go to find that oil. And you explore. Sometimes you find it. Sometimes you don't. And then when you do, you extract it. So that's another step huh. in the process that goes there. And then I'd say the, the equivalent of refining it is doing the analytics. So turning that oil into to gasoline so that you can drive your car. And yeah, so each step of the way does require investments and uh, resources huh. to, to get there. Well, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to First Talk Compliance. And my guest today is Reed Kaiser, MS founder and chief consultant of Kaiser Healthcare Solutions, LLC, in a discussion of understanding the healthcare quality measurement data landscape. Data is the new oil. So in light of value-based care and payment models, what does this mean? Yeah, so as we live in a world of, of limited resources and nothing new, that healthcare costs have been increasing and continue to increase. And while there may be some slowing of, of that that has happened, we're still in this position where um, we do have to balance these resources and, and move from the fee-for-service model or what we would call the volume model to value-based payment models where payment is being shifted from not delivering more services, but delivering better outcomes. So leaving it so that the appropriate care is being given and those resources are using being used appropriately to deliver the best outcomes for it. And that's the big crunch that we're all, I think, faced with today is making that shift to value-based care, value-based payment away from being rewarded or paid for, for volume of care. And given that data has so much value in our system, what are the different types or categories of data needs in healthcare quality measurement? And is one better than another type? Sure. And, and similar to, to, to the answer on the, the measure category types, there's a lot of different ones that are out there. It's hard to say which one is better than another, but the source of truth has historically been what is in the actual medical record. So that will continue to be the the primary source of truth that counts towards these different things. And yes, electronic health records are evolving. They are becoming more comprehensive. I say in some cases, they're also merging over into those other sides around the administrative side that goes into it as well. And that would be the second type of data source that's commonly used out there as administrative databases like claim systems, eligibility and enrollment. Um, that provides a lot of information. And historically, most most quality measures out there, at least in the health plan world, um, are driven off of the administrative claims database information and then supplemented when needed from, from the medical record if it's uh, something that's requiring an outcome versus a process that's there as well. Uh, there's also several supplemental data sources that are out there. You could put call those registries, whether those are professional society registries or patient registries or other industry registries that are out there. There's lab data coming from the lab vendors. There's pharmacy data from prescribing systems to pharmacy management and others that are there as well. And I put those in the ancillary service uh, bucket of, of measures. And then there's also as we mentioned earlier, as far as survey measures that are out there as well. So patient surveys, whether that's in the form of satisfaction and experience or in those patient reported outcome measures are also a key key type there as well. So one has to really think about how they're defining or how they're wanting to define value to say 
what 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 source is better than the other. But hopefully that gives gives everyone a, an idea of what what's available out there and what can be used to to measure quality. Okay, that's a lot to uh, process here. I can see how we've gotten to how data is the new oil here. What does the future look like through your crystal ball? Yeah, so um, I say on the positive, we're making tremendous progress. You know, regardless of if, if data is the new oil and there's there might be some monetization or costs or go into that or if it's viewed as a, a gold rush to get the data and build the analytics for those insights to to quantify that value. Um, but the exciting thing is, is yes, we are in a hyper growth stage as far as leveraging health information and, and HIT uh, that's going into it. But um, you know, interoperability is a, is a big word that that we hear um, out there, and, and really um, having data sharing and having data to be liquid is is key. Now we also have to balance against um, privacy or protecting that information and making sure it's only those that should be accessing that that data that are getting there. But a lot of a lot of great work is coming out of the the federal government and CMS for the office of or HHS the office of the national coordinator around working with interoperability standards and then also having some provisions against data blocking that are helping with that data sharing there as well. So the future I is looking um, promising but we still have you know, a fair way to go to work through a lot of those challenges and connecting the various disparate data sources um, that are there. And that's where standards come in. And by having different thought leaders like the ONC and some of these other private public partnerships that are driving the collaboration across the different stakeholders to, to get to this point is really another one of the positives that we're seeing. So what are your recommendations for us as healthcare professionals and ultimately as patients and consumers ourselves? Yeah, so I would say being educated and informed. We, this audience is is definitely primarily say healthcare professionals, but understanding what quality is or what quality measurement is and in the context of shifting to value and understanding what it takes to to get there. So we as healthcare professionals, if we can understand um, why it's important that we're measuring quality and improving quality in the light of value and, and getting engaged in that, I, I think it's very important for all stakeholders in, in healthcare to be at the table when it comes to uh, developing these measures or metrics, if it's especially going to define how we're getting evaluated and paid at the end of the day. And then just carrying that on as consumers and patients, and for for me being highly educated and highly experienced, I'll say even to this day, it's it, every once in a while I will see some of the the fruits the fruits that have been born of it. But we still, even as patients and consumers, I think it's helpful for us to be educated and informed. But then at the same time, too, as as the professionals on the other side, help to develop these measures that provide meaningful information for us to make decisions as consumer to help improve healthcare quality and value. Great. Well, thank you so much, Reed, for coming on today and giving us this really insightful information. I very much appreciate it. Great. Well, thank you for having me and thanks for listening. Thank you. And thanks to our listening audience for tuning in to First Talk Compliance. You can learn more about our show on the programs page on healthcarenowradio.com. And lend your voice to the conversation on Twitter at FirstHCC or hashtag FirstTalkCompliance. You can also email me at Catherine Short at 
firsthcc.com. I'm Catherine Short of First Healthcare Compliance. Remember, compliance is the key to achieving peace of mind. <laughs>